0: Hello and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale, and this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or rewatching once a week. If this is the first episode of mine that you stumble upon and you like it, please feel free to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get notified of when I upload. If you stumble upon this on YouTube whenever it goes live in a few weeks, because I'm, I'm delayed in uploading my back catalog, it's a whole thing. I've talked about it like every episode, it's annoying. But if you listen to this on, on YouTube, whenever it goes live there, please feel free to like and subscribe. That really helps me as well. Just whatever you would like to do to, to stay in the know about the podcast updates, if you enjoy it, that would be great. That means a lot. I do check my message requests. So if you have any feedback, critiques, comments, concerns, suggestions, I'm open to anything. I really love this podcast. I love doing it. It is just like a hobby and a passion project of mine, but I obviously, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into creating this. I want it to be the best product it can be. So I will take any criticism, feedback, advice, literally anything, unless it's like mean, like don't be mean, but I feel like that's just like social media, you know? Sometimes people are assholes, but anyways, This is my 50th episode of the Emmy Awards, which is kind of crazy. It's also like the second to last episode of the year. Next week will be my final episode. And last year I did like a review of 2022 and review of like all of the highlights of what I watched and stuff. So I will be doing that again this year. That's gonna be the next episode. And I'm actually, I'm really excited about it because there's a lot that I watched this year that I didn't talk about because I pivoted to reality TV content when the SAG strike happened. And that was like a hundred days, maybe a little bit more. So I literally like was consuming a lot of television that I wasn't talking about, which was unusual for me. So I have kind of like a lot to say about a lot of shows. So that's gonna be really fun. That's gonna be next episode. The chapters will be in the description as always of this episode and next. Although this episode is going to be primarily about Big Brother Reindeer Games. I do want to talk about Percy Jackson a little bit, but the bulk of the episode will be about Reindeer Games. And again, timestamps will be in the description. But before I I jump into any of that, I kind of wanted to reflect on the podcast in general because it's my 50th episode. And I feel like every once in a while, I'll reflect on the podcast. I know I take a lot, like I've taken a lot of like unintended hiatuses, Breaks. I don't know. I was trying to use like a, a word that I don't know how you make it plural. Anyways, on occasion, I will just like miss a couple weeks, sometimes a couple months. And I come back because, again, this podcast is just a hobby. And I don't mean that in a way of like me like dim- diminishing the podcast and like how proud I am of the episodes I put out and how much effort I put into it. I'm simply saying that because I do have a full-time job and sometimes it's really hard having a full-time job. And then like, I have to say now that I don't do the videos, it's like, it cut down a lot of editing time. Which is why I pivoted to audio only although now I'm like uploading my my audio to YouTube and I'm literally in the middle of editing I did a deep dive on yellow jackets I did one for season one and season two and I am in the process of editing the season one episode and adding visuals to it so Like I'm I'm trying to make it a little bit more appealing visually as well So I'm in the middle of editing that and hopefully it'll be out by the end of the year But if not, it'll be out early next year Mid-January at the latest because I've already started I am determined to like get a lot done of it. Um, I'm feeling really reinvigorated with the podcast and, and creativity. But anyways, unnecessary tangent. I reflect on this podcast every once in a while. And I think I talked about this in some episode a couple months ago about how I was really in my head about the podcast. And so I kind of like wasn't able to do it because I was like, I don't know. And I, I, I honestly, I've had a few of those kind of not breakdowns but like moments where I'm like I'm putting all this effort and care into something that I feel like is flopping and I didn't start this podcast with like the intention of it becoming my career or even like a source of income or anything of that sort like it's not even about that or like the clout or like the followers or anything like that It just is really disheartening when you've been working on something like on and off for like almost two years And you feel like you haven't made any progress Like I feel like creatively i've made progress But like nobody listens to the podcast still and I don't know how to promote it and I like Like I I, like I don't know there are moments where I feel really like in my head About where I am in in the podcast's progress Like I don't know it is kind of depressing sometimes and and I, I also think I wish I didn't put so much like importance and weight on like a creative project on the views and like attention because I feel like that is at the end of the day not why you should be expressing yourself is like for the response i don't sit down and record these episodes being like god i hope this episode is the one that gets me like a bunch of views or something like it's it's not even about that it's just about how much effort i put into this and how much i wish That it was resonating with people, or that people it was reaching people, or just anything like I don't know. It is kind of not depressing, but it's kind of funny because. And the thing about this podcast too is, I feel like it's gone through different eras because I started it originally when I was living with my parents. I did. I was unemployed, post grad. I was like really depressed with my life because I graduated in December of twenty twenty one. And graduating in December was already kind of depressing because a lot of my friends had already graduated the semester before. The class I came in with, the majority of them had graduated the semester before. Some people were, who came in with me were graduating my... Like there, there was a decent amount because of the weird hybrid online semesters that people took like semesters off. Like there was a good amount of people that, that graduated the same semester I did, which was nice because we had a ceremony, which was not a common thing that my college did because it was very rare for people to graduate halfway through a year. Like that didn't typically happen. And I was going to graduate in December. Like I knew that since I was like a junior, like it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It literally was just because of credits and I had to medically withdraw from a few classes and I didn't really get my footing at Kenyan until I was on accommodations. And anyways, that's a story for another time. But the podcast really at the beginning was kind of like I would just talk about like it, it had themes. But it, it didn't have like a general like niche, I guess. I was just kind of like, I'll talk about whatever is on my mind. And then I got a job and I moved to California and I took like six months off of the podcast unintentionally. Like I, I still wanted to do it. I kept putting it in my to-do list, like start podcast again or like anything. But the amount of time that I was dedicating to it, like I was like, I can't do this with my job. Like I'm not going to have time to, to do the video. And it was just like too much. And then I got to a point where I was like, well, I, I still, I, I can still do it. And like podcasting while now in this, day and age most like a good amount of podcasts also have a visual format not all podcasts are visual like that's not the medium so I was like I don't need to keep making the videos I can just do the audio I have way less things to edit that way and then I can still like keep this project going in a way that is sustainable for me now with my like full-time job so I started doing that and I decided kind of when I went audio only that I really like wanted, I felt like I had obviously really liked doing it, but I felt like it didn't have like a niche, like a category, like a purpose isn't the right word, but just like I I felt like I was going to run out of steam if I didn't have like an angle, I guess, to the podcast, you know, like most podcasts, they have a general thing like they're about tv or their stories or their like advice or like you know they're like niches they're genres and I was like, I don't want to just keep talking about random things. And I watch a lot of TV and I always find myself having a lot to say about TV. Like I will literally like record videos of me talking about TV shows while I'm watching them because I like have so much to say. And I was like, well, I've talked about TV here and there on the podcast before. Why don't I just make it about TV? And funnily enough, my name, the Emmy Awards, really fit with that genre because the Emmy Awards is literally like the actual awards, the E-M-M-Y awards, like the Emmys are like TV awards. So it worked out really well that my name that I came up with, that was a pun. I didn't come up with it, my friend did. It just worked out that it had to do, like that it was a pun that also worked with TV stuff, I guess. So that was really nice. So that kind of became my thing. And I, I started that like late last year, late of 2022. And I really enjoyed it. I really liked the audio. It was working great. I I felt very creatively fulfilled. And then there were a few months here and there where I would take like a month long break. I think there was one, there was a point where I took like like, two months off. I don't know. And then when the strike happened, I, I was fairly new into the solely talking about TV kind of category. And I was like, I don't really know what to do because I don't like the thing about the strike is that it might sound stupid to like the average person of like why I didn't keep talking about scripted TV because like I'm not an influencer and I'm not making any money off of it, but it just felt icky to me. When, like, a lot of content creators that I follow and enjoy and, like, appreciate were not talking about scripted TV, it felt weird to then go on. Like, it just, it felt like, why am I gonna keep talking about things that, like, the actors and the people, like, it, it just didn't feel like something I wanted to do. So I didn't. And I watched a lot of reality TV, so it wasn't, like, a huge change for me. I was just kind of only talking about, like, half of the stuff I was watching. Probably not even half. And then Big Brother happened. And Big Brother, honestly, like this season was such a creative motivator for me. I don't know. But anyways, I I, I, I didn't mean to like tell my whole life story about the podcast. But I just kind of in the last few months. And honestly, this happens when I'm just like I have depression. And sometimes things will like trigger me. I don't know. It, it just it, I wish it didn't because in my heart, like I'm not doing this for any kind of viewership or like money or literally anything. Like I'm doing it because I enjoy sitting down in front of a microphone phone and sharing my thoughts like it genuinely brings me joy and i love like my sister listens to it and then she'll message me and be like i like what you said here like like i like that kind of thing i've made TikToks about yellow jackets and then people reply and i can Engage like I just love tv and I love talking about it and I love like engaging in discourse about television Whether it's reality tv or scripted tv And so I just like i'm not doing it for that But it is kind of I don't know we live in this world where like so many things are about views and like monetization and this and that and it's just like it's hard to dedicate so much time to something and then be like, nobody cares. Like I I just don't know. And I kind of, I guess, not that I want to stop doing it because I don't, because I, I, I enjoy doing it. I feel like I would just stop doing it when it no longer brings me joy. But I, in my head, I was like, I feel like at some point I need to, I need to give this up. Like I need to just admit that I flopped, admit that I'm not cut out to be, like that I failed at this. And move on and and then I get mad at myself because I'm like why like you're enjoying doing it It doesn't have to be for anything except a creative outlet but in my mind I'm like you are such a loser who records herself talking like for like an hour and a half Sometimes two hours once a week and then like spends hours editing it to upload it for like nobody to listen to Like you are such a loser. Nobody cares about your podcast. It's just it's really hard It's really hard because I I just don't feel like I'm good at this. And I like, I feel like a failure and I, I don't like feeling like a failure. And I know most people don't, but I just like, I have my own issues around failure and again that's stupid so stupid most people do but it's just like I feeling like a loser and a failure it's very triggering for me because I was like almost kicked out of college and then I almost failed out of college and like I just I don't know I feel like an idiot and a failure and a loser in like so many aspects of my life that it's just hard to put so much energy and care into something and then have it kind of be a flop I started the podcast in February of 2022 and in like two months it'll be two years since I started this podcast and yeah I took like six months off and then I would take like two months off and a month off so it hasn't been like two years of me consistently every week recording a podcast but it is kind of depressing to me I don't know like I, I feel like a loser and I feel like a failure and I feel like an idiot and I, I just I wish I didn't like I wish I didn't care because at the end of the day I don't know I, I'm, I'm sad and then I'm mad at myself for being sad because I'm like you shouldn't Care about other people's validation if it's something that you're enjoying, but it, I like I don't know. It's just hard because I I feel like, and I'm sure nobody says this. Like people, I'm like who? Um, maybe some people do, but I feel like sometimes when I post about my podcast episode every week, like I feel like some of my friends or people who follow me are like, "Why is this loser still doing a podcast? Like nobody gives a shit." And I just like I really get in my head. Anyways, I didn't mean to make this all sad. It's it's sad because like 50 episodes like should be an accomplishment but i just like look back to where i was in episode 1 and i'm like literally like nothing has changed I, I do feel proud of what I'm creating Not that nothing's changed I think I'm making a better product And I, and I think I have found my niche And I enjoy what I do But I guess in terms of like the, the reception Like nothing's changed I literally have like the same amount of subscribers Nobody listens to it Like the only people I know who listen to it Are like friends of mine Or my sister Or my mom Like I, I don't have any kind Like I just feel like a loser And I feel like an idiot and i'm just like sad about it and I wish that I could be like super proud of myself for like getting to 50 episodes I heard like statistic ones. I don't know who said it that, like the average podcast, they get through seven episodes or something. Like 50 episodes is an accomplishment and I should be proud of myself. But I'm just like, you got to 50 episodes and like you still are a loser flop who nobody cares about your opinion. It's just sad to me. I don't know. And the podcast space is just so oversaturated. And it's like, why did I think that what I had to say mattered? But you know what? I, I do think I'm funny. I think I have something interesting to say. Maybe not always. But I feel like sometimes I have interesting things to say. You know what's depressing? My most successful episodes are the two ones I did about Kenyon College, and it's just like I don't want that to be my thing. Like I've moved on from Kenyon. It's been like two years since I graduated. Like I'm I'm past it. I don't. I know. Like I know very few people still there. Like I, I feel like the college is a stranger to me now. So like I, I just don't feel like I have enough to. Con- like that's not going to be my thing. I don't work there anymore. I've said everything. I have to say at least for now I think maybe at some point in my life I would maybe want to I don't even know if I'd want to podcast about this because it's one of those things where a lot of my experience at Kenyan like the stuff that I haven't like written about yet or talked about yet like the stuff that I didn't talk about in my two episodes that I did about Kenyan like if I want to like talk about stories and like You know like personal stuff about my time in college because there's a lot there obviously i feel like that's the kind of thing that i would feel more comfortable writing about versus talking about like i I think that's just too hard to talk about because the stuff i've already talked about and written about like that was painful enough like the stuff that i haven't even like touched that's just like i don't even want to talk about that out loud i would have to write it down anyways but that's kind of depressing to me that's kind of depressing to me. Like I, I only have interesting things to say when it's about like very negative times in my life. I guess. I mean, that's not true. And the thing about my Kenyan episodes is that it's not like I'm shitting on Kenyan the entire, the entire time. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a lot of emotions I'm feeling right now because I'm proud of myself, but I also am like disappointed in myself, and I, I, I wish. I was doing a better job, but I like the truth is I just don't know what to do I'm hoping with the YouTube stuff and posting on there that will help because I feel like my videos get more views in my audio episodes Because I don't want to promote like the audio episodes like I feel like the YouTube algorithm like recommends videos more like people don't really get recommended podcasts. Like I don't know how to advertise the podcast if it's not on YouTube. So I'm hoping with catching up on my back catalog and then being consistent on YouTube, I'm hoping things will be better that way. I don't know. One of my biggest goals for 2024 is just to pour every last drop I have into this podcast, be consistent again, because I was very inconsistent this year. I started off inconsistent and then I was pretty good over the summer. And then in the fall I got inconsistent again and I just, want to record an episode every week, maybe miss a week or two every now and then, but I want to get back to recording an episode every week and just pouring everything I have into this and hoping that by the time I hit episode 100 i will be in a different place in terms of viewership in terms of reception in terms of feeling proud of the podcast because right now i just feel like a failure but anyways i didn't mean to go on that tangent i am it's it's hard because i don't want to invalidate my feelings because i i do recognize That putting energy into something and caring a lot about something and then having it feel like a failure is like a hard emotion and I'm like valid for being sad about it. But I also logically know that that is not why I'm doing the podcast so I shouldn't let like that failure take away from all of the positivity that expressing myself in this capacity has given me so it's just it's hard like my my head and my heart are like really not seeing eye to eye right now i'm feeling a lot of things but hey 50 episodes is an accomplishment thank you for listening if you've listened to even one episode it means a lot to me and before i jump into recapping reindeer games i want to talk about The Percy Jackson series on Disney Plus. The first two episodes came out on Tuesday, and it's amazing. If you don't know anything about me, if you this first episode of mine you're clicking on, I am a huge Percy Jackson fan. I did my senior thesis. In English at Kenyon College about Percy Jackson and I used it was about disability and young adult fiction and I used Percy Jackson kind of like as a framework and then I like compared and contrasted with three other books that talked about disability and I I literally I have an episode on this podcast before I pivoted to TV content when I was talking more about my life about how Percy Jackson like changed my life I like wasn't a reader when I was growing up and and then I became like like I don't know I in third grade is when I really started like reading a lot. Like I, that's when I, my love of reading really blossomed. And then Percy Jackson, I discovered it the summer after fourth grade or the summer after fifth grade. I don't remember. It was around that time, so it was like pretty soon after I was like really into reading at that point. Anyways, I had, I had moved to Brazil. My my dad's job had transferred us to Brazil, and we were living in Brazil. But for the summer, we came to the united states again and stayed out my my dad had a friend who had a house like right by the lake his family was just not like they weren't going to be there for the summer so we stayed there when they weren't anyways my dad the family friend his son had all of the percy jackson books and my brother had read percy jackson and i needed something to read so i read percy jackson and i was hooked instantly like i was hooked immediately I, I read the book super the first book super quickly and then I read all of them All of them were out at that point and I I finished the whole series in like that summer and it was like literally a life-changing Transcendent experience like it changed my brain chemistry. I'm not even kidding which you know funny story about procedures <laughs> About when I was reading Percy Jackson, I would sometimes halfway through a book if I was anxious I would go to the last page just like to read like the last little page to make sure that something terrible didn't happen Which is a horrible way to read a book like don't do that But anyways, I was reading the sea of monsters, which is the second book in the Percy Jackson series and this is going to contain spoilers So if you haven't read the Percy Jackson series, just skip like two minutes anyways The last line of The Sea of Monsters, if you don't remember, it like literally, I don't remember the last line of like 90% of the book, but I do remember The uh, Sea of Monsters. The last line is, I am Thalia, daughter of Zeus. I was like, (laughs) and I was like, what? Because I knew that she was like a tree, you know? Um, So yeah, don't read the last line of the book. Like, I don't recommend it, which is funny because I feel like I'm still kind of that, that. It depends. I try not to be spoiled, but I'm really not somebody who like, I don't know, a book is different to me. Stopped doing it after that because it traumatized me. I was like, well now I'm gonna have to like, I'm not even gonna be focused on the plot of this book because I'm gonna be like, what the fuck do you mean? That this tree is now a human being like you're not a dryad or whatever they're called But anyways, that was an unnecessary tangent. Percy Jackson changed my life like genuinely changed my life And it was a very full circle emotional like heartwarming. I don't know meaningful I guess is a good word for it moment to write my Senior thesis inspired by Percy Jackson. It wasn't just about Percy Jackson. I talked about three other books with it, but it, the whole time I was using percy jackson as like a framework. That's neither here nor there I'm really proud of that still But I wish I had a blog so I could publish it because it's like what am I gonna do sit here on this podcast and read the 16 pages That I wrote no, but I would love to publish it if I have like a blog But I don't have a blog and then I'd have to make a blog. It's a whole thing But anyways, I love percy jackson and so obviously I was super excited with the series and and i was like you know prepared i was like i'm gonna be emotional but i'm gonna be okay and literally like the show starts it's like pitch black and and walker the actor who plays percy says look i didn't want to be a half-blood and i instantly started crying like i'm not even kidding it was like a visceral reaction and the entire time like it was so i don't know why i'm like crying today this is like i guess talking about much of a failure I feel kind of like open the the well and I feel like crying at everything thank god I'm not gonna cry about reindeer games I don't care enough about that to cry but like genuinely it was so beautiful to because you you always worry at least I do about screen adaptations especially about something that means so much to me that it's just gonna disappoint and like Nothing is going to be perfect, obviously But I genuinely felt like I was in that world that meant so much to me growing up Like the camp felt like what I thought the camp was going to be like Walker embodied Percy so well. Leah embodies Annabeth so well. Aaron embodies Grover so well. Like, all the casting was phenomenal. And I have to say, when Walker was announced, I was like, I don't love that he's blonde, which is stupid because, like, I didn't care that Anna... Like, I didn't... I wasn't one of those people who's upset about Annabeth. I was like, that seems great. But honestly, the only reason I care about Percy being blonde... Like, I wouldn't normally care. But I love the entire... Like, I... I have not only read the Percy Jackson series multiple times I've also read the Heroes of Olympus multiple times and the Trials of Apollo multiple times Although I I haven't read the last two books of the Trials of Apollo multiple times Like I like uh, like I read all the spinoffs So like I'm not just thinking about it from like, you know, the original Percy Jackson and the Olympian series I'm thinking about the characters from like the Roman camp and in my mind, because Jason Grace is supposed to be, like, the Percy of of Camp Jupiter, and Jason is such a blonde guy to me that I'm, like, Percy has to be brunette, because compared to, like, Jason is a blonde guy, like, what are they, and they could both be blonde, like, it doesn't mean anything, but I'm, like, if they make Jason a brunette, I'm gonna be, like, that just doesn't fit his vibe, like, he is such a blonde guy, but at the end of the day, does it matter? No, um, like, it genuinely doesn't matter the color of his hair, and he 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 just he does such a good job. I don't know why I ever doubted him. Like, I, I don't know why I ever doubted the casting. But he just... He did such a good job. And I'm not going to get into detail about any of the episodes because... I'm going to talk about, like, highlights and maybe in the next coming weeks, if I have something to say about an episode, I'll, I'll like mention it here and there but my plan for my coverage I guess that feels like a weird word but like my plan for how I'm going to talk about the Percy Jackson series is I want to do a deep dive when the entire series is over I want to go episode by episode and do like a deep dive recap like I did for Yellow Jacket season one and two because I think that is one of those shows that I really want to like watch the entire thing and then re-watch it take notes pick up on foreshadowing I think honestly it's easy if you've read the books and you care about the books to pick up on like easter eggs and foreshadowing anyway but I'm just it's one of those shows that I really want the whole thing to be out for me to like dive deep into it and talk about it for like a couple hours so that's the plan I'm gonna wait for all eight episodes to be out and then I'm gonna re-watch everything take detailed notes and kind of do like a recap deep dive my review my thoughts on stuff but I will say just touching on the first two episodes it was phenomenal like the casting is great acting is great I'm always a little bit worried about like when it's mythological stuff or like fantasy like sometimes CGI can be really and that's one of the beauties of like reading a book is that it it as there's no like limitations based on technology so I was worried because I was like it's gonna look Like, I don't know how good it's going to look. But the cinematography of it and, like, the visuals were beautiful. Like, the way it was shot was so cinematic. Like, it literally feels... Like, it's, it's just... It's beautiful to watch. It feels like I'm in the world. The acting is great. The writing is great. I am really interested in the choices they make that differ from the books. Like, it's just... It's so well written. It's so well translated from the book onto a screen, I think, Sometimes you can have a great book and then it just like, the way they adapt it, it doesn't translate the same. I got the same feelings and it brings me like, I, it's very emotional for me to think about like all these people who maybe have never read the books being introduced to the characters for the first time. I also feel kind of gatekeepy and then I'm like, I mean, you don't need to gatekeep, but it is kind of funny people being like, I never the read the books, but this Luke guy seems nice. I'm like, <laughs> calm down please chill i have to say i also i i read i read the series when the entire i think i read in 2012 maybe 2011 i don't know all the books had come out it was right before the heroes of olympus started and i remember because i was living in brazil and the heroes of olympus was coming out i books like take longer to be published there because they have to translate it It's like a whole thing. Like you can't just, just like movies and TV shows, like you don't get stuff at the same time in other countries. It's probably a lot different now in terms of movies and stuff with streaming. But this was like the 2010s, like there was no streaming. I think like maybe Netflix was beginning, but like that's not really how I consumed media or anything. And I I don't know how books work nowadays with publishing and translation. But my point is that I couldn't buy the books in like a Barnes and Noble in Brazil. So I I would ask my dad to like order it from like the United States, and they would ship it to his office, <laughs> and I would get it that way. Because I I I don't know if if it's like I don't know if he paid for the international shipping. I don't know the details. All I know is that I got it from like imported from the United States, so I could read the books. And I know maybe like it was only like the first two I think that came out when I was living in Brazil. And then the last three of the Heroes of Olympus came out when I was back in the United States. But, anyways, I like I read the entire Percy Jackson series like in one summer. But then the Heroes of Olympus, I waited. So when that was the whole cliffhanger where Percy and Annabeth fall into fucking hell, I was like dying. But anyways, I had to wait like what felt like forever. Anyways, Jen just didn't mean to go on a million tangents, but I I need to preface all of my any anything I say about Percy Jackson with like. I have references, okay? I have notes. I have studied this. <laughs> I have to say though, something I I really my thesis, I guess, like it, w- it was like my senior capstone, but my the, the thesis of it was that disability in young adult fiction is like a liminal space between worlds. And obviously in like Percy Jackson, they're they're half-bloods, like they're demigods. They they are not human, but they're also not immortal. They exist in this world and like they're disabilities because most demigods have dyslexia and adhd i don't know i I said it a lot more eloquently and i haven't read this in like years but like one of the main things i talked about was like the different worlds and existing between two worlds and i don't know i i really felt that watching the series i was like wow like I, i i feel like i have so much to say i feel like this adaptation of it is just confirming my view on it and like I feel like a lot of the commentary I would have would support that kind of idea I had of the series when I was writing about it for my capstone like I don't know if that makes sense but because I I, I don't have specific examples because I wasn't taking notes when I I was watching the two episodes but I did have that feeling where I was like wow I feel like I'm a genius but I'm sure I'm not the only person who's ever like thought that while watching it, but I just feel like this liminal space of, of not really being in one world or another, that really came through for me in watching the series of like Percy not really quite fitting in anywhere and just like the world in general, the way they they experience it with the mist and everything. Anyways, I'll have more eloquent things to say when I actually analyze the episodes. I just wanted to talk about it briefly and share my connection to it and how much I loved it and how much I recommend it. I really recommend it. I think it's a very good adaptation so far. I mean, obviously we're two episodes in, but like the acting is really good, the casting is good, the pro- like the production value. It's just a really good TV show, even if you haven't watched the books. And I think the story is phenomenal. I know I'm like biased because it's like, my favorite book series of all time. So much so that I've like literally had an idea for Percy Jackson tattoo for like three years now at this point that i need to actually start saving up for now that i like have money i just i don't have a ton of disposable income at the end of the month so i just like plus i want it from a specific artist and she's in new york so it's like it's a whole thing but anyways that's neither here nor there on to big brother reindeer games i talked uh, like uh, my intro and the little percy jackson thing was actually a lot longer than i, I meant to go i thought this episode was going to be like shorter than normal because I, I don't have a ton to say about reindeer games but i actually had a lot to say, that was not about reindeer games, so it'll probably be a pretty normal episode, maybe a little bit shorter than normal, but not like, I thought I was gonna, I literally thought I was gonna talk for like 45 minutes, and then with all the editing, because I I do end up cutting out a lot of my pauses, or if I say the word like too much in a sentence, I will cut out like three of them, because I got that comment twice on a YouTube video, and it stuck with me. I'm not going to lie. I also sometimes when I'm recording, my cats will start meowing or some they'll knock something over. I cut stuff like that out. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. My point is that sometimes I'll record for like an hour and a half, but then I by the time I edit it down, it's like an hour and 15 minutes or something. So I thought I would record for like an hour and then it would end up being like 50 minutes, 45 minutes, or I'd record for like 45 minutes and it'd be 30 minutes. So I'll probably end up. Recording for like at least an hour. I'm really excited to talk about percy jackson in detail I just I guess I just want to do it like properly with like a dedicated video and so that's the plan that um, not video episode. I'm just I'm in the middle of editing my Yellow Jackets episode, which is a, like my Yellow Jackets video. So my brain is like all over the place, like between YouTube and Podca- Like I don't know. It's my my um, my brain's all over the place. But anyways, onto Big Brother Reindeer <laughs> Games episode four, which aired on Monday. It starts with they're down to six people: Frankie, Nicole, Brittany, X, Josh, and Taylor. Are the final six. Frankie, Nicole, and Brittany are in an alliance. Like they are aligned and then Josh, Taylor, and X are aligned. Also, I wanna say that in my last episode, I, I kept calling him Xavier. I think it's X-Xavier. I don't know, like I, I'm just gonna call him X because I feel like I was mispronouncing his name and I'm like so sorry that it's not Xavier. Like I'm so sorry, like that's so mortifying. I'm just gonna call him X, I'm so sorry to Xavier for just calling you Xavier and getting rid of the like I'm, I'm genuinely sorry I'm very embarrassed by that but anyways Frankie is like aligned with Brittany Nicole and I literally like it's like the blonde people aligned versus like the people <laughs> I know they didn't like, I'm, I know it wasn't like about that, but I was like w- w- all the blonde, like, it's not even about white people at this point. It's like literally like all the blonde people. I was like, this literally, it made me think of that episode of Victorious. I don't know if the episode's called the blonde squad, but anyways, Tori and Jade and Kat all wear blonde wigs for like some thing that they're recording for their school or whatever. And then they go out on the blonde wings. It made wigs. It made me think of that, which like no pun intended because Ariana Grande was a blonde in that episode. But no, like n- literally no pun intended. I just, it made me think of that. And then I was like, that's kind of on the nose. But Brittany thinks the girls should stick together because if they're in the reindeer games together, they have better shot. They have better. They have a better chance against each other than, than if the men get there. For the naughty and nice competition, the premise is that Jill Frost, who's like the hot pop star at the North Pole, has disappeared and they need to figure out who took her. So, and there are like clues all around the house. Frankie rings in and he wins the power, and then Jill Jill Frost comes in and sings, and that's, like, the fifth, not not really, but, like, there's been, like, a musical element in, like, every episode up until this point, like, what's what's with that? We'll find out later. Anyways, for the Jingle Bell Brawl, this time it's gonna be done in pairs, so you have, like, a bestie, and Frankie gets to pick his partner and then give another duo a disadvantage, but the other duo gets, like, the other four people get to decide who they want to pair up with. It's not like he picks everybody which again i said this in my last episode but i like that even though the format is generally the same of like there's the naughty and nice competition the jingle bell brawl and then Santa's showdown i do like that they've been changing it up like it's not always everybody competes against each other like they've been doing a good job of making the structure of the different competitions different so it doesn't get, like, repetitive. Like, they did an episode, they did an individual competition for Santa showdown at some point. It wasn't always the same. Like, I like that they're changing the structure. But anyway, so it's Jingle Bell Besties. You compete in pairs. And he wants to pick somebody that's a good competitor, but also somebody he can beat in case the duos go into Santa showdown together which makes sense. So he chooses Taylor, because he doesn't want two blondes in Santa showdown, and he thinks that the two people who lose will go into Santa showdown together, which is a pretty smart assumption, although it doesn't end up happening. But literally, it's so funny that he says, I don't want two blondes together. Like, okay, blonde squad, literally, Ariana, what are you doing here? Even though it's not Ariana. Everybody else decides their team's on their own. They consider doing boy-girl for each. Britney doesn't want to. She would rather work with Nicole. Nicole thinks it's a red flag that the boys are really pushing to not be together. But they don't want to be together because they also kind of think that... It's interesting because Britney wants to be with Nicole. And then the boys are like, we don't want to be together because we think that... Like, they also have the same, like, perception that Frankie does. That the losing duo will go into Santa's showdown automatically. So he's like concerned about that so the the boys don't want to be against each other i guess x would rather be with somebody he can win and i'm sure josh feels the same so that's kind of like the premise but eventually the girls concede and the final teams are x and nicole and then britney and josh so the jingle bell brawl is a puzzle which i think america lopez would have killed this but it's literally going to be like 10 years from now and there's going to be a puzzle on Big Brother 35. And I'm going to be like, America Lopez would have done well. <laughs> I'd be like, this is the week she wins HOH. Like, I'm never going to let it go about the inequitable cons. Because there were a lot of people I liked this season that I would have loved to see in power. But they, they didn't get it. Like, I don't know. It sucks because I was not mad. But I was kind of sad for a little bit that um, that America threw the pressure cooker because she kept like flopping competitions respectfully love her but like she kept like flopping and i was like that was her one chance to have power and maybe have some kind of credibility but in retrospect it wouldn't it wouldn't have worked out for her because she probably would have put up sari and izzy and then like the flip that happened later when he's when they got izzy out like that was a different like i i don't know if that had happened then she probably would have been out the week after that like i don't know it just it worked out the way it did for the better and if she had been able to win a couple end game end game comps like things could have been a little bit more different like at that point i don't really think like i i think she made the right call like it it was smart and at the time as much like the thing is at the time i thought it was a smart move because i was like she is kind of good with like a good amount of people and she doesn't want to draw a line in the sand and cameron meanwhile nobody likes him so if he wants to like make a big move he can although his nominees sucked but Every single HOH of his was like literally a flop. It was a smart move. I just, as the weeks went on and more people were like, America can't win a competition to save her life. I was like, but she almost won the pressure cooker. (laughs) I was like, that was her comp to win. Like that was, you know, what I was holding on to, but it wasn't meant to be and it was for the best. But anyways, I didn't mean to go on a tangent, but do I ever, America would have killed the the puzzle. The disadvantage is like, you can temporarily freeze your opponents for like a little bit of time. Most of these disadvantages and advantages haven't been that effective, but that's just my opinion. Taylor and Frankie win the Jingle Bell Brawl. They complete the puzzle. And for the Santa Showdown, it is not the losing duo or a duo at all. Taylor and Frankie each have to pick one individual from the losing duo to compete in Santa Showdown. And they pick randomly to find out which team they're choosing from. So it's not even like Taylor can be like, well, I'm aligned with Josh and X. So I don't want to pick either of them. She does a random draw and she has to pick between, Taylor has to pick between, well, I mean, X and Josh were not on the same team anyway. But but like, I'm just saying she, she couldn't pick the team that she didn't want. It was random. It was a random draw is the point of my thing. Taylor chooses the green team. Frankie chooses the red. The red team is Brittany and Josh, and then the green team is X and Nicole. Frankie and and Taylor try to talk it through. Frankie really, really wants to send X in and send Josh in. That way they can weed out the strong competitors. Taylor's unsure because she's been loyal to X and she doesn't really want to be the one to send him in, which makes sense. Nicole is like on her women empowerment angle. She's like trying to get herself out of this competition. by being like us women need to to stick together and you were so inspiring taylor and honestly i i i I appreciate the hustle taylor ends up sending nicole in and frankie sends in josh as he planned i have to say he frames it really well like i think frankie is a very skilled social competitor and i think especially i mean i don't know because i i re i watched season 16 like recently and it's interesting now because i feel like frankie started devolving and he made a lot of mistakes in that season but like he's a very skilled competitor and i think This shortened environment also like helped with that because he's been good at the competitions, but he's also been really good at like if he targets somebody or like just the social aspect, he's been very good about not seeming like he's targeting anybody or like bartering with people or bargaining. Like he's just he's been very good. And when he sends Josh in, he's like, I'm sending you in because you've never been in Santa Showdown. Like that's a really smart way to put it. At that point, it's like it's not Josh, you're a strong competitor, I want to get you out. Like at that point, if Josh stays. He can be like, well, it was like a fair You know, he's smart about it. Anyways, not to be like praising Frankie Grande. I'm not like a Frankie Grande, a or whatever they're called. Oh, also f- fun, fun little quote from Derek X. He says, this decision will permanently, will permanently silence someone's night. They have so many puns and some of them are just so silly. Like this decision will permanently, permanently silence somebody's night. Like they're not dying. Please calm down. But anyways, that was that was before. I just skipped that in my notes, and I wanted to mention it because I thought it was funny. Anyways, Nicole is upset that she gets that in, and she's like, "Sending X was the smarter move," which it was. But I also understand Taylor's point of view because she was like, "I want." X to be able to take Frankie, like take out Frankie for me. That's neither here nor there. Santa showdown is like an endurance competition. It's like a candy cane, and they are holding on to it, and it's like moving around. There have been similar competitions like this in the past, like on Main Big Brother. And Josh and Nicole literally fall at the exact same time, and they do like an instant replay and josh fell like one second before and he hit the map first so he is the one who goes home and i just have to say that in my last podcast episode i was like i think it'd be really cool if josh won like i feel like josh has a good chance of going home and then he goes home i literally i think i have bad luck in terms of the stuff i put out into the universe for big brother it doesn't really it doesn't really work for me i'm gonna stop making predictions i i I think i'm done with that so goodbye josh i have to say though even though he didn't win and i did say this in my last episode like even if he doesn't win in a season where he's viewed more favorably at least he's viewed more favorably now i i appreciate that i feel like a lot of people didn't like him it's nice that people like him now and i myself have come around on josh i never disliked him but i wasn't like a fan and now i'm i he was very entertaining i really enjoyed him on this season i wanted him to win but he didn't so that's okay glad he went on a high note as he leaves has yeah, so he get a gift and it's an ugly christmas sweater so kind of a boring gift but you know what good for him and frankie in his diary rooms to like end up the episode he's like Taylor has drawn a line in the snow because she's clearly loyal to X and I want one of them out next. And that's how episode four ends. Episode five of Reindeer Games, it's Reindeer Games Eve. It's the last regular day of competitions before there's a final four and those four people will battle it out. Nicole doesn't want to target Taylor because Frankie or X leaving next is best for her game. So even though Taylor sent her in, she's not holding a grudge. She's like, I, I don't want you out. Like it, it's gonna be harder for me to beat Frankie or ex. Like I want them to leave. So that is where she stands. Tiffany is the final elf ambassador. So she comes in and the Naughty and Nice competition is another musical themed competition. Every single competition is musical themed. Elfie Buble heard a rumor that his holiday special was canceled and he locked himself in Santa's office and they need to find the right key to open it and tell him that his holiday special isn't actually canceled. And he was just being a drama queen for nothing. I added that drama queen part, but anyways. There are a bunch of keys around Santa's Lodge. They have to like look at the the key on the door and find the key that works. Cole finds the key pretty quickly and she wins. And I wrote in my notes, these weird singing segments feel like the end of a one-on-one on a bachelor date, except they don't tell us the singer's real name. They just pretend to be a silly goofy singer from the North Pole. Literally, it was giving like the end of a bachelor date where they just, they they have both just shared a traumatic moment. And then they're like, I have a surprise for you. And they go to like this empty hall and there's like some random country singer you've never heard of. And then somebody in their like ITMs is forced to be like, I love Elfie Buble. Like that's what it was giving to me. I was like, there is like a random singer at the end of every single naughty and nice competition. I'm waiting for the rose, and re- waiting for the kiss, and waiting for the I can't wait to see where our journey will go, something, but it never comes. Anyways, Jill Frost did blow Derek X a kiss, <laughs> but Derek X is taken, so. As Alfie plays leaving, he says, I'll see you next year, which I hope is a little a little hint that they are considering doing a season two. I would like a season two, genuinely. I, I think it's a nice... Format, Especially to bring back. I would love to see, as much as I I loved all the winners that they brought back, I would love to see, like, I feel like it'd be a really nice competition for people. Like, kind of like a second chances thing for people. Like, it doesn't just have to be legends, just people who maybe didn't play great the first time or were good competitors. But, I mean, I say that, but then Cameron was, like, the worst. But anyways, for the Jingle overall overall this time, there's two. And the winner of each will automatically go into the reindeer games and Nicole's advantage from the naughty and nice competition is that she gets to pick one person to sit out of the jingle of the first jingle bell brawl. So that person has one less chance of making it to the reindeer games because they don't get to compete in that and win their ticket in. Brittany really doesn't want to be the one to sit out because she wants as many chances as she can. Um and Nicole chooses X to sit out because she doesn't want him to be in the jungle boat brawl. Pretty straightforward. The jungle boat brawl is a competition that they they used to do in old school Big Brother, which is like a food competition. Like I've seen this a few times in, in older Big Brother back when they did food competitions where it's like some kind of gross mixture and you have to figure out three ingredients in it this this time it was like they gave you the ingredients and then you had to pick like a missing Like they've done this before where it's like you have to figure out the ingredient based off of tasting something gross They used to do this all the time for food competitions. I liked this. Like I, I, I really like this kind of competition I don't know. It's it's more it's more equitable And it also feels very reminiscent of old-school big brother when they used to like eat gross things to like be able to to have pasta for a day of the week. Like it literally, old school Big Brother, they used to be like, if you get this point, you get this food group, crazy. So it reminded me of that, but this time they're it's like different eggnogs, quote unquote. That they're drinking. But they're all like really gross. There's like sushi eggnog. And in every one there's a missing. Like you have to figure out what ingredient isn't listed. And then guess. I wrote in my notes too. Christine from Chef, She would kill this competition. She has an amazing palette. I don't know if any of you have watched Chef. I don't remember what season it was. Maybe three. She's blind. And she has like a phenomenal palette. You know what? You know what's funny? I never. I didn't watch MasterChef. I think there was one season I watched. I think I watched season five of Master Chef like actually when it was airing. But the rest of the Master Chef I've seen it I watched Hassan watch Master Chef. But anyways, yeah, no, I I haven't seen Master Chef. I just watched Hassan, like Hassan Piker. He he watched a bunch of seasons of master chef and i watched him watch master chef that's how i watched master chef it was so fun though his commentary made it like 10 times more fun it wouldn't have been as fun if it like i it was great i i loved it but anyways i i think Christine would have been really good at this competition because that was like i mean she was a very talented chef But, like, I I think, like, her palette was obviously, like, one of the things that really, like, they were constantly, there had even been, there were challenges where they would have to taste something and then recreate it. And I don't think they gave them, like, the list of it. And she did have an aide who would be able to, like, describe how things looked for her so she could, like, figure out what things were and and stuff like that. Like, she did have an aide who helped her in some like aspects but they, they couldn't touch any of her food they would just like v- like help her but anyways she was she was really great on master chef i really recommend her season like she's just so talented i loved her on master chef there, there was they they brought her back for like season four maybe or something for a competition and they like pranked all of them by being like you have to do this blindfolded And then they were like, and then she was like, I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna make you do that. Sorry for going on a tangent. I do recommend (laughs) MasterChef. The first round, I don't remember the name of, of that eggnog. They all had names. I don't remember the name of the first one, but Frankie decides that he's gonna use color to help him decipher the options, which was honestly really smart because that eggnog was brown and he's like, none of the listed ingredients are brown. So I'm gonna look at the possible ingredients And he chose coffee because coffee's brown. And he got that point. Nobody else got that point, which was smart. Nicole gets the second round, guessing mayo. It's like, I think a deli eggnog. And she's like, I worked at a sandwich shop, so I I know mayo, which is funny. And then Taylor gets round three with parsley. And honestly, with Frankie's like logic, it was a green smoothie. But there were multiple green options. A few people did green beans, but parsley was the correct answer. And then the next few rounds, they don't show one by one. They kind of do a montage of like all the gross ones. And then they show the answers. And Taylor gets a bunch of points in the next few rounds. Frankie and Nicole get like one point each, each in one round. And then Brittany is still at zero. And then we're on to the last category. And if Taylor wins this, she wins. And she wins. She wins the first jingle bell brawl so she's going straight into the reindeer games and she gets to choose somebody to go with her to the reindeer games. So she's like going back and forth and she ultimately chooses Nicole, which interesting decision. I think she wanted X to be able like she didn't want to take X out of the running for the next competition because she wanted X to be able to knock somebody out. Maybe I don't really know the logic, but that was her decision. The second Jingle Bell Brawl is a quiz about all of the musical performances, which answered my question earlier, because literally like in the last episode, when I was watching it on Monday, on episode four, when I was watching it on Monday, I wasn't like, man, every single thing has been about a mu- musical thing. But at the beginning of this episode, when they brought out Alfie Buble after like Jill Frost, I was like, what is it with these like musical guests? Like it genuinely, feels like an episode of the bachelor like i'm i'm over it and then the second jingle bell brawl was a quiz but all the musical performances and i was like okay at least there was a purpose to it i forgave them i was like okay that makes sense and like i just yeah i thought it was so funny that i started being like why are there so many musical competitions and then they answered my question frankie wins this i didn't write any notes about the actual like ins and outs of the qu- quiz because i didn't know any of the answers but Frankie wins and he secures his spot in the reindeer games. And then X and Brittany, because now Frankie, Nicole, and Taylor are all going to the reindeer games. X and Brittany have to battle in Santa showdown. And that final person will be the person to complete the four people going into reindeer games. So it's like a physical slash puzzle comp they have to not really on a zip line it's kind of like you 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 climb and then you have to like propel yourself to hit these billboards there's like all these negative billboards on like a podium and you have to knock them down and then when all the pieces are on the round you have to build the positive billboard so Brittany is really struggling to knock any down. Like she is not propelling herself correctly. She'll like get up there and like b- barely have any momentum to knock any down. And then she gets winded and has to go, like she she's just not doing a great job at first. X gets them all down really quickly. And while Britney is still struggling to like knock them down, he is like building the puzzle, but he's not getting very far. She eventually figures out a way to do it more effectively by like propelling herself and hitting the the things more. And so she does it. And eventually by the time she's knocked them all down, he still isn't done with this puzzle. It's closer. And X completes it before Brittany. But honestly, it, it got pretty close there at the end. Maybe she could have caught up with him if she had... Like she was better at the puzzle. She just had less time to do the puzzle because she took longer to knock them down. So if she had figured out how to do it. And she even said this, like, I'm not being shady. She said, if I had been on this same trajectory of knocking them down sooner, I could have, I could have I, I beat him. But she did and that's okay. And for her parting gift, which is the last one, all the people in the reindeer games don't get a parting gift to only like, get, which I think is, I feel like if you don't win, you should still get something. Like, why does the person who got second place in the reindeer games not get like some silly gift? I'd be sad. I'd be like, where's my ugly Christmas sweater or my jam subscription. <laughs> but anyways, Brittany gets the final gift and it's a pair of underwear and socks. So kind of a lame gift. Maybe it's better that the rest didn't get anything. Okay, on to episode six, which is also the finale. It opens with final four. They're going into the reindeer games and Taylor's talking in her DRs about how she, she never went to Santa showdown. And she wants to prove now, she's like, it was things to my social game. And now I want to prove that, like, I'm, I'm a worthy competitor and I can win. Nicole keeps downplaying her threat level, which is really smart. Like, I, I think Nicole's a good player. Do I love her? Am I, like, a stan? No. But I, I'm not going to deny that Nicole is a good big brother player. I think she is a good big brother player. Tiffany is back as an elf. It's her second day as an elf. And the reindeer games themselves will be a tournament. There are going to be two head to head semi final matchups and then a final showdown between the two people who won the semi finals. And there will be a final naughty and nice competition to get an advantage. Although, none of the advantages, in my opinion, have really been that impactful. I don't know. There was when they did the tiny stacking of a puzzle where Josh didn't get the answer key for the first five minutes. I feel like that could maybe be a disadvantage, but that's also one of those competitions that's really long and really slow. So I don't even know how much that would have slowed him down, you know? But anyways, so for the final Naughty and Nice competition, there are like paintings all over the lodge and one of them has been swapped for a forgery. So they need to figure out which one it is. X said that he's like ready because he's been studying the paintings and he like knows them very well. I like this, you know? I like the competitions that involve them having to study the house, any anything in that that capacity, because I think people who do well in them like it shows like a level of preparation and attention to detail. And I I enjoyed those kind of competitions on regular Big Brother, and I enjoyed this one. X guesses correctly, and he gets the advantage. His advantage is that he gets to make the brackets for the tournament, so he des- he gets to decide who he's facing off against, and therefore who the other two people facing off will be. And the person he's facing off against has to start 30 seconds later, which again is not much of an advantage Like 30 seconds could maybe make our break, but like 90 like I, 30 seconds isn't that much I feel like they should have at least in a minute like 30 seconds like anyways taylor and x both want to be final two with each other So he's obviously not gonna pick her but Taylor wants X to ideally challenge Frankie because that way she just ha- she, she wants Frankie out. <laughs> that's that's why. She doesn't want to compete against Frankie, so she wants X to be the one to take him out. But X chooses Nicole because he thinks he can beat Nicole more easily than Frankie, and he wants to get to the Santa showdown, I guess is his main goal, which, you know, valid, I guess. The first competition is a puzzle. It's like, I feel like I'd, I've also seen this on older Big Brother seasons, where it's kind of like a moving maybe they even did this in big brother 24 or like one of those other like it might not be like a super super old school but i'm sure i've seen this in old ones where they're kind of like these wheels i don't know what they're called anyways it's like it's like a puzzle but they're wheels that you have to like make sure they all line up and move i guess I don't know how to explain it. I literally cannot think of the word right now and I'm so embarrassed, but you know what? It is what it is. I don't have any intelligent, interesting notes about like the the actual progress and like details of the competition. Nicole wins. So X is not going into the reindeer games. Bye bye X, which was me a few days ago. Bye bye X when, when Twitter stopped working for like a couple hours. That was literally so scary because I went on my Twitter and it wasn't working and I have this weird fear of being like suspended even though I never post anything like super crazy on my t- on my Twitter because I know people who have gotten suspended for like tweeting stuff that isn't even that crazy and then people who are like literal like, like saying like slurs and stuff like don't like I don't know it's like crazy on there it wasn't working and I thought that my Twitter had gotten suspended or something and I was like really sad about that. Taylor now has to face off against Frankie and she's like I've wanted Frankie out for a while now so I'm gonna be the one to take him out the second competition is more of a mental and physical comp the first one was a lot more mental because it was just like a puzzle and you had to figure out which pieces went together to like there was really no physical aspect of it like you didn't really have to be that strong or fast or anything the second one is a bit more of a combination because not even that physical i guess but like you have to have good aim premise of the competition is that there are some guilty elves and You have to listen to, like, the police radio or something and listen to their descriptions. And then when you figure out the five elves, you have to aim to knock them down. And so it involves attention to detail, but it also involves, like, a certain level of physical ability in that you need to have good aim. Like, I would suck at this. I have to say, this is, like, low-key copaganda. Like, they want them to narc on these elves. And none of their crimes are that bad. Free, free the elves. It's a pretty interesting competition because if you knock down a wrong elf, you have to reset completely and start all over and everything. And it's pretty close there. Literally, Frankie will knock down an elf, and then Taylor will will knock down that same elf. It was it was really close, and it was very interesting to watch. But Taylor ultimately wins, which means Taylor's going to the rain like to the reindeer games showdown with Nicole which means the first ever reindeer games has two women in the final two and two women from Michigan in the final two. Kind of crazy. But anyways, all the elves, so Derek, X, and Jordan, and Tiffany, and all of the former house guests who have been eliminated come back to watch the final showdown. Santa's also here. Josh is happy. Like some of them are fangirling, fanboying about Santa. Josh is like, I love Santa. And then Britney's not. Britney's like, he made all these rules to, to create chaos. And I was, I was thinking about this and I was like, imagine if people talked about Julie Chen Moonves that way. Like if Julie Chen Moonves came on the screen, they'd be like, Julie, you do all of this. Because Santa, I mean, like, I don't know. I guess maybe the elves are more Julie Chen because she will like just give the news. And I feel like the elves did that, but I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's not a one-to-one comparison. It'd be like if somebody was shitting on the elves because they're just the messenger. And I feel like Julie is more messenger than any kind of like genuine role in like the structure in the game. I swear to God, sometimes she'll talk and I feel like she doesn't even know anything about the season. Like I feel like I know more about like a season than Julie Chen does. It's kind of embarrassing, but like peace and love to Julie Chen, but not to her husband. Anyways. The final two, well, first Santa's like, do you wanna see who, or maybe Tiffany says it, I don't know, somebody's like, do you wanna see the the two who were eliminated and will not be participating in Santa's showdown? And there are multiple DRs of them being like, it's gonna be X and Frankie in the final two. And then Frankie and X come out and they're all shocked. The showdown itself is like three separate comps. And the goal of each is to like, collect an item and once you've got an item one you move on to item two and the first person to get all three so to complete competition one competition two and then three the the fastest wins the first part of the three-step showdown was with the goal of retrieving the mistletoe so there were three items the first one was the mistletoe you had to it was like hanging from the ceiling basically and you had to stack i don't know how many stars but these big like stars to create like a christmas tree type thing and then climb it and then grab the mistletoe so taylor gets hers first and moves on to the next part she's like doing a good job they fall a few times but Taylor eventually gets it and she moves on to the next part pretty quickly. The second part is like a maze thing. They're like antlers and you have to like move them through a puzzle to get them out. While Taylor is like moving along in the puzzle maze thing, Nicole is still working on her mistletoe and she reaches the top, but she's shorter than Taylor is. So she can't reach it like grabbing the way Taylor does. She has to like do a little jump and they did it in slow motion which i thought was really good because she like jumps and then all of the the stars that she stacked fall over and she like falls onto the ground i mean okay they 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 had like harnesses and i think they were like connect like they were they were safe it wasn't like she fell and like hurt herself, but I did I, deal, I did. feel kind of anxious for her when she had to jump. I'm like, that's kind of scary, but it worked out for her. She gets her mistletoe and she moves on to the antlers. They're like neck and neck for a little bit, but Taylor is ahead and Taylor gets the antlers first and moves on to the final object that you need to collect to save Christmas and win Santa's showdown is a snowflake. And you have to stack like 32 small snowflakes onto each other and have them not like fall and everything. And there are like four bags and each bag has eight. So you have to you have to you only get eight pieces at a time, so you have to stack eight and then get the next, et cetera, et cetera. Taylor is still building your snowflakes when Nicole frees the antlers and moves on to the snowflakes. They're pretty neck and neck for the snowflakes. Like Nicole will finish bag two and move on to bag three. And then Taylor moves on to bag three and then their snowflakes keep falling. And it's like pretty neck and neck. But ultimately, Nicole wins, making Nicole the first ever winner of Big Brother Reindeer Games. And congratulations to Nicole. Would I have preferred Taylor win? I, I do. But I will say that Nicole deserves her flowers. Like I feel like there are a lot of winners that I feel like I get that have like a bad rep, I guess, or people just like don't like. And I don't really lo- love Nicole as like a huge, like I don't stand her. But I think what I'm saying is like her game, I feel like a lot of the times people, a lot of the critiques of her game sometimes feel kind of below the belt and not necessary in like commenting on her showmances or commenting on like using the men to get ahead. And while I think there's always valid critiques to be made about like if you don't like the way somebody played a game, I feel like a lot of the times, and I feel like maybe it changes a little bit after bb all-stars maybe it got worse i don't really know but i feel like sometimes i feel like nicole's win is sometimes discounted and i'm glad that she proved as much as i'm not like a fan of hers i do think she's a good big brother player and i think it's nice that she came back and it was like a different format and it was like competition based which I don't think anybody thinks Nicole and they think comp beast, although she she held her own pretty well in Big Brother sixteen at least. I haven't rewatched Big Brother eighteen I watched it live but I haven't rewatched it, and I don't remember how many competitions she won but I feel like that's not really what she's known for and it's like I, I am always for somebody like redeeming themselves or like rewriting their story and like I don't know it's nice to see somebody prove themselves to be a good competitor like I applaud her I think she did a good job she was very smart in this game and she was also good at the competitions when she needed to be and I think that that was great for her. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for her. I wish her and her family the best. And it was a fun show. I have to say I'm really glad that this is gonna be my second to last episode. Like this is basically my last normal episode before I do my like year recap final episode of the year. I'm glad that that I had this fun show to talk about. Not that obviously if I talked about Percy Jackson or any of the other shows that I've been watching, like it would still be fun. But it's nice to end like on like this is basically like my Christmas episode in the sense like my next episode will come out after christmas it'll be you know past it so it's kind of nice it's kind of nice that this episode honestly this episode might come out like the 23rd i don't know how long it's going to take me to edit it hopefully not that long but i i went on longer than i had like anticipated because i rambled a lot about how i was just feeling about this podcast and and personal stuff that i didn't really think i was going to but It did, and that matters too sometimes, you know? Like, I I like to share my inner voice. I also don't have therapy until the first week of January because my therapist is, like, on vacation. So maybe I just needed that. (sighs) But anyways, that's where we wrap up Big Brother Reindeer Games and this episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get notified when I post new episodes. On my social media is linked down below for updates there too. I typically will post on Twitter if I'm like late, which has been happening a lot, but I'm trying to fix. You know what? If the episode goes out by the end of the weekend, for me, it's a win. Like at this point, that's all I'm... Mean gonna do i think i've been part of the stuff i've been feeling about the podcast is a lot of unnecessary pressure like if i get a podcast out at the end of a weekend like that's still a success like this is a hobby that i'm doing i have a full-time job i also foster kittens it's a volunteer position but like that takes up time of my life as well so and energy and everything and i have two cats of my own so if i get an episode out that's what matters i'm also in the middle of editing the yellow jackets video which i feel like is just taking up a lot of my time too so If I'm slower, that's why, but that'll be out hopefully by the end of the year. If not, it'll be out. Actually probably won't be out by the end of the year just based off of the amount of time I have left. I don't think I'll get it done by the end of the year, but hopefully like the first week of January, maybe like second week of January at the latest is what I'm aiming for. But anyways, thank you so much. Follow me whenever you listen to podcasts, all my social media so you can get updated, all of that good stuff. And thank you so much, genuinely, for listening. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a very merry Christmas, a very love and joy-filled holiday. And you will hear from me for my final episode of 2023 next week. Bye, guys. Thank you so much.